Come on, if you believe it, can you give God a hand of praise this morning? Amen and amen. Joel and Sergio, if you guys can move that real quick. Uh, man, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord. I know some people were heartbroken last night when um, the Seminoles pulled it out at the last minute and uh, gave the Hurricanes a loss. It's funny because I had been texting with Pastor Fernie. Pastor Fernie's a Seminole fan. And um, I didn't watch the beginning of the game because I was at Abigail's basketball game. Side note, Abigail scored her first points in a game yesterday. Proud of my 11-year-old. Um, she just got to recognize that she's a foot taller than all the other kids, so she's got to use that height to her advantage. But anyways, um, Pastor Fernie texted me. He's like, what happened with the game? I, I, I wasn't watching. He's like, I haven't been watching it either. I was at Abigail's game, and, and the Seminoles were kicking butt. They were up like 20 to 3 or something like that. And uh, when I got home, the hurricane started doing well, and they were up 28-20. And I'm like, you should never start watching the game, Pastor Fernie. <laughs> Only to my chagrin to watch the hurricanes then lose. But, man, the goodness and the faithfulness of God, it chases after us. And can I tell you, God wants to use you to spread his goodness and his love, even in bad moments. I... I, I <laughs> I said this story a long time ago, but I'm going to share it real quick because it just I, I got a flashback of it while I was there in worship. Because the, the Bible says that surely, in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And you think about the goodness of God. Sometimes God wants to use us to bless people, if you didn't know that. Um, and I, I came to Christ when I was young, and um, I've always been a little radical. Um, I've always been... Um, in today's, if I was, you know, you would call it, you know, full of sass or I've always been bold. I've always never, that has never been my weakness, a lack of boldness. And I remember when I was in high school, I was playing football with my brother and my best friend. We were playing tag football right on the street. Anybody ever played tag football on the street? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Two hands anywhere, whatever. Yeah, we were playing tag football. And uh, we were playing football. Right off of 32nd, we lived right by the old, uh, by the Boys and Girls Club on 32nd Avenue, if you're familiar with Miami. But anyways, we're playing football, and this car passes by. We go off to the side, the car passes through. And about five or ten minutes later, I catch a pass, and I'm running down the sidewalk. And this guy was walking down the sidewalk and yanked my chain. Literally knocked me to the floor. I got mugged playing football on the street, right? So he rips off my chain. And I fall to the floor, and, and I go like this, and I'm like, my chain, my chain. And this guy takes off running down the street and I got up and I started chasing him down the street and I was screaming at him at the top of my lungs as I chased him down the street God bless you God bless you God bless you all at the top of my lungs down the street and um my brother thought I was crazy my friends thought I was crazy y'all probably think I'm crazy and I'm okay I'm it's, it's all right but about six months later my dad and brother are at a pizza hut having lunch, and these shady characters sit at the table behind them, and their conversation was the weirdest things that happened when they had mugged or done something wrong to people. And they're saying stories to each other, and one of the guys says, I've got the craziest story of all. We mugged these guys playing football on the sidewalk, and my brother hears that. He tells my dad, hey, th I, th this sounds familiar. He says, I yanked the chain, and this guy chased me down the block, screaming at me, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And so my dad and my brother looks at my dad and says, 
that's the guy that mugged us. My dad's like, how can you be so sure? He's like, there's one lunatic in Miami that would have done that. That's what David did. David chased him down. And, and I was just reminded of that story because I know I'm going to meet that guy in heaven because he's going to one day have surrendered to God because the goodness of God hearing God bless you, even in the midst of something wrong. If you're honest with yourself, you've done stuff that you know didn't please God, but you saw God send someone to tell you he still loved you anyways. See, that's the goodness of God chasing you, and he can use you and you and you all on campus. He can use every single one of you to follow people with his goodness. Vision of our church, if you don't know what it is, it's equipping people, equipping the body of Christ to live a lifestyle of worship that will cause change. So what does that mean? Through our service, through the different things that we provide as a church, we are built up so that then God can use us. It's not just the pastor. God wants to use every single person that has a relationship with him through the person of Jesus Christ to be a blessing to people. And that's how he reaches everyone through each and every one of us so i challenge you this morning think back of when the goodness of god has followed you and be aware to be used by god so that his goodness can follow someone else amen can you give god one hand of praise before we jump into the word this morning so we've been in this series called the potholes of life the potholes of life we know what it feels like to hit a pothole. And we've been talking about different potholes throughout the series. And this is season two of Potholes of Life. And I was thinking as I was preparing for this of something that took place or happened to me like three weeks ago. Um, I have an account with, a, with a BB&T, which then merged with SunTrust, and now it's Truist, right? And uh, it finally became officially truest and I had to order new checks because I had I, I had like three or four checks left so I went online like I've always done to order my checks and it said you cannot place the order online you have to call and the reason was they no longer were using the check company that I, they had been used for years when it was BB&T now they're using a new company so I had to get on the phone and call and as I'm on the phone, call, I call, I wait, and, and, and I'm there and I'm hold, and I'm on hold for 10 minutes, then 15, <laughs> then 20. I'm starting to get a little desperate. I'm ready to get the phone and chuck it, right? Like, you know, I'm tired of being on the La Musiquita that's on the teen or whatever, right? Like, you have the little music. You have like, when am I going to get to an agent? And I'm about to hang up the phone because I was tired of waiting. And as I'm about to, like, literally about to end the call, this lady comes out, Hi, welcome to BB&T. Now, Truist, how may I help you? I was like, man, I was about to hang up on you, but you can help me out. I need to order checks. And I go through this whole process of starting to do the thing, of ordering the checks, and so on and so forth. And I get to the grand total. I said, so what's, my, what's, you know, what's it going to cost? It's like, it's free. I'm like, my checks are free? She's like, yeah, because it's the first time you're ordering with this new company. The first order is free. And I said, that's awesome. I'm glad I didn't hang up. But now, since it's free already, what about if I order 200 checks instead of 100? Come on, get it free. Let's get really good free, right? Long story short, I tell the girl, I was like, man, I'm so grateful that I didn't get to the point of desperation where I hung up. Because now, not only am I getting double the checks, but I got it for free. 
It was a blessing that came because I didn't lose it. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about when we lose it. I want to talk about when we deal with the pothole of desperation. Y'all ever dealt with a pothole of desperation in your life? I mean, just think about it for a second. I love definitions. What is the definition of the word pothole? The, or, I'm sorry, the word uh, um, desperation. Desperation means a state of despair, typically one which results in a rash or extreme behavior. Again, a state of despair. As a matter of fact, if you look up the word despair, it means when you lose all hope. So let's say it that way. Desperation is when you get to the point of losing all hope that you make a rash or extreme decision. You know what I'm talking about? When the restaurant messed up on your order seven times and you look at the person and said, I'm never coming back in here again. And you didn't mean it because it was your favorite restaurant. They just ticked you off and you got to the point of desperation. So you made a rash decision and you walked away. You did something. And desperation is actually the opposite of faith. Why? Because desperation comes when we lose hope. And the biblical definition of faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if desperation is when you lose all hope, it means that faith and desperation are the opposite because when you're acting in faith, you do one thing, but when you act in desperation, you do the opposite of what God wanted you to do to begin with. A lot of us, we mess up and we do that. We act in desperation. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write it down this morning. Desperation comes when you get tired of waiting. When you get tired of waiting. Now, we live in a society that we don't like to wait, do we? I mean, if you regularly want to cook something that takes a certain amount of time, you think, well, let's pull out the pressure cooker. Oya de presión, let's go. Grandma used to use it. Let's use the pressure cooker so we can cook the meat in a fraction of the time. But it doesn't taste the same as if you smoked it all night long. Come on, let's be real. It's not the same. I ain't sticking my pork shoulder. I'm Cuban. We do pork for Thanksgiving. Don't judge me. I'm not getting my pork shoulder and sticking it in a pressure cooker. No, 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 no. Slow cooked in the oven at 150 degrees all night long because that's how it's going to come out, juicy and tender. But sometimes we get desperate and want a shortcut or we get desperate and we stop waiting for that that needs to take just a minute longer to be able to get the fullness of what we wanted and what God had promised. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. So we're going to talk for a few minutes about this guy that everybody knows. His name is Abraham. Everybody here heard about Abraham? Abraham is known as the father of the faith. It actually should be known as the father of the faith because every major religion in the world traces its origin to Abraham. Jews trace their origin to Abraham. Muslims trace their origin to Abraham. Catholics trace their origin to Abraham. Every major religion. He's known as the father of the faith. Now, Abram, in chapter 15, verse number 1, says he has an encounter with God. Look what it says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. In other words, God is telling Abram, you got me, and that's all you need. Then Abraham says to God in verse number two, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, 
And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Verse 3, look, you've given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Then in verse 4, it says that the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Now, in this whole series, Potholes of Life, we've been talking about the way that we overcome potholes is by seeking God, listening to God, and then obeying God. So here's Abram. He's doing exactly that. He sought God. Then God spoke to him, and he listened to God. And then he got to the third part, which was he needed to obey God. But you know what happened? From chapter 15 to chapter 16, 10 years pass, and he still is childless. And he got tired of waiting. And that's what we found in chapter 16, verse number one. His wife, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an idea. Look what it says. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps... I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham seated or heeded the voice of Sarah. Here's what happens when we get desperate and tired of waiting. It causes us to listen and obey the wrong voice. When you get desperate, you listen and obey the wrong voice. For 10 years, he had been obeying the voice of God saying, wait, I'm giving you this. It's coming. But when he got tired of waiting, when his wife got tired of waiting, she said, perhaps God needs help. Maybe you haven't. I've tried to help God and fallen flat on my face so many times it's not even funny. Because I got tired of waiting and I got desperate. And then I got desperate and said, well, I'll just keep, and I'll push, and I'll push. And God's sitting there saying, Papo, it's not what I said. So Abram heeds the voice of Sarah, marries Hagar, goes into her, the Bible says in the next few verses, she becomes pregnant, and in the minute she becomes pregnant, Sarah begins to despise her. Why? She realized helping God was a wrong idea. God didn't need my help. He needed my obedience. God wanted me to obey, not to try to help him. So what happens? When we get desperate, we begin to seek the wrong advice. We begin to listen to the wrong advice, and we begin to obey the wrong advice. Okay, I'm going to paint you a little picture. I've done this. Again, I'm talking about me. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about me. It's not any of you. Okay, it's me. You go ask somebody something, and they don't tell you what you want to hear. So then you go, well, that, was, that must have not been God. So you go ask somebody else. But they don't tell you what you want to hear. That must have not been God. So then you go ask somebody else until you hear what you want to hear. You begin to seek the counsel that's going to make you feel good about justifying yourself, about acting a certain way instead of seeking God, listening to God, and then obeying God. You know, it's like that guy, you've heard the story, the guy that's on a diet and he prays 
to God that if God wants him to eat a donut, there would be a parking spot open next to that donut shop that never has parking? You've heard that, right? So the guy gets to the shopping center, and he sees there, and he drives, and, 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 and he goes, and he parks, and he gets the donut, and somebody looks and says, I thought you were fasting. I, th I thought you weren't having it. I thought you were on a diet. He says, God opened the parking spot for me right in front of the store. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, I prayed. God, if it's okay for me to have it, open the spot. And guess what? On my 10th time around the parking lot, there was the spot. See, that's what we do with God, guys. Let's be real. No, 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 God, I don't want to wait on your strategy. I don't want to wait on you, what you said. I'm going to help you out and just keep circling until I find what's going to make me feel good about myself and then blame you that I gained four pounds. Mm -hmm. See, because that's what we do when we're desperate. We act in disaccordance to what God said and then blame him for the problem that we're facing. Again, that's what I've done. I've gotten desperate, done it my own way, and then say, God, where were you? How did you let this happen to me? Why? See, desperation will cause us to seek and listen to the wrong voice. Desperation will cause us to seek, listen, and obey the wrong advice. And take this, write this down. In our desperation, we make choices that do not align with what God said. See, that's what happens when we get desperate. Choices that do not align with what God said. And if we do what did not align with what God said, we're going to face the consequence of not doing what God said. One more thing, desperation, it causes us to act in the flesh. See, Abraham and Sarai acted in the flesh. It says it in the Bible, Galatians chapter 4, 23. It's going to come up right behind me. Galatians 4, 23. Look at what it says. But he who was of the bond woman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. Who's it talking about? Hagar was Sarah's servant. The bond woman. It was flesh. Church, when we try to do it ourselves on our own accordance because we got desperate and tired of waiting for what God was going to do, we act according to the flesh. But the Bible tells us we're supposed to walk in the spirit, in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're to walk in the spirit, but when we get desperate, we act in the flesh. Can I give you another example this morning? There's a guy in the Bible named Saul. Not Saul, who he was also known as Paul, in the Old Testament, King Saul. Now, King Saul was a pretty cool dude in this regard. He was a big man. See, the Bible says Israel wanted a king like everybody else around them, so they asked God for a king. And they chose Saul, literally, is what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. You can go to 1 Samuel and read this. They picked Saul because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. Sergio, stand up for a second. It's like standing Sergio there, right? And they're like, we're going to pick that guy? Because he's a foot taller than that guy, right? That's exactly how they pick Saul. And he was anointed to be the king. And Saul actually did what I'm preaching about. He sought the Lord and he listened to the Lord. Watch. Go to 1 Samuel chapter number 
uh, uh, blah, 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 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. He goes and finds Samuel. Saul goes to Samuel, who was the prophet. A little bit of Bible information, Old Testament, okay? The anointing and the word of God only came through the priest and the prophet. Today, because Jesus died on the cross, every single one of us has access to God. We can pray directly and talk directly to God. In the Old Testament, it wasn't that way. Before Jesus dying on the cross, it had to go through the priest or through the prophet. So Samuel, uh, Saul does that. He goes to Samuel right before going to this battle, to this war, and he asks him what's going to take place. And verse number 7, it says, uh, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10. I'm in the wrong book. 1 Samuel chapter number 10, verse number 7, says this. And let it be when these signs come into you that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. So he is receiving the reply from God. He sought the Lord. He listened. And verse number eight says, you shall go down before me, this is Samuel, to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. So he seeks God, and God, through Samuel, gives him the answer. Go to battle. Wait seven days for me at Gilgal. Just wait for me. I'll be there in seven days. Pretty simple stuff. So day one goes by. Day two goes by, three, four, five. They get to the seventh day. Now we're in chapter 13, verse number seven. It says, now some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still at Gilgal. So he obeyed God. He's at Gilgal waiting seven days, right? Look what it says. And all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel got stuck on the palmetto and did not come to Gilgal. It's not what it says, but you get it, right? So the people scattered. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering to me. Bring the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it happened. As soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came and said, verse number 31, uh, verse 11, what have you And he starts to justify himself, right? He says, when I saw that the people were scattered, when I saw that you hadn't gotten here in the time, and that the Philistines were gathering together, I said, now the Philistines are going to come down to me, and I've not made the supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled. I had to disobey you God that's what he's saying because I got tired of waiting because I got desperate because some of the army was running away because I got desperate because you said seven days and 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 I know the sun hasn't set but we're on the seventh day and you haven't gotten here yet because I'm tired and I'm desperate I took it upon myself to help you out Look at what the answer from Samuel is. You have done 
foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Write these things down this morning. Acting in desperation is foolish. Acting in desperation is foolish. I mean, think about it for a second. What was the very definition of the word desperation? To uh, typically, a state of despair, typically one which results in a rash or extreme behavior. When you're desperate, you act foolish. And not just do you act foolish, but when you're acting in desperation, it can cause you to lose your anointing. Saul had been anointed king. And what basically Samuel says to Saul was, you disobeyed and your disobedience has made God now go look for someone who will obey him. Your disobedience has caused the anointed to be taken away from you and deposited on somebody who's after my own heart. Someone who will obey me. Let me tell you. It's why David writes multiple times in the book of Psalms. That's the one who gets anointed in in replacing Saul. He says, for you do not delight in offerings, but in obedience. The biggest thing God wants from you, from you, from you, from you, from me, is for us to obey what he tells us to do. That's what he wants. Isn't that what we want from our children? You know, we, I got an 11-year-old going on 20 and an 8-year-old going on 30. Um, and man, sometimes they have a hard time just doing what I said. They're great kids. They're great girls. But sometimes I look at them and I'm like, just do what I said. It's what I want. No, but blah, 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 blah. it's just, just, just obey. And that's what God wants from us, obedience. The awesome thing is that we, when disobey, he still forgives us and gives us opportunities. See, if you circle back to Abraham for a second, even though he went into her and was born Ishmael, who if you trace it from Ishmael is where the Muslim faith comes. I told you at the beginning, Abraham is known as the father of faith to many religions. Muslims trace themselves to Ishmael, the son of Hagar, through Abraham. Till this day, there's situations going on because of him trying to help God. But when you got to the next chapter, you know what God did? Reconfirm the promise. He said, that's not the one that I wanted for you. I'm still going to bless him. I'm still going to prosper him. I'm still going to take care of Ishmael. And through him, I'm still going to make a great nation. But that's not the one of the promise. And 15 years later, so 25 years after the initial promise, 
Sarah gives birth to Isaac. See, I have good news for you this morning. Even though if you got desperate and lost it and acted rash or foolish, God will restore you and bring you back to relationship to give you the promise that he gave you in the beginning. Because we have a God that restores. We have a God that delivers. And so what do we need to do? We need to do these three things. We need to seek God. We need to listen to God. And we need to obey God. And part of the obedience to God is waiting. Again, we don't like waiting. We don't enjoy waiting. We own minute everything. Minute rice. And yeah, I don't want to go to the store. Instacart it. For crying out loud. You know what I do when I go to Five Guys? Anybody here ever go to Five Guys? All right. I do not order at Five Guys. I call and I order it as I'm driving there so that I can get there and pick up my little brown bag with my burger and fries. I don't got to wait the line. I don't want to wait. I'm going to try to be a good steward of my time. No, I wasn't stewarding my time. I just didn't want to wait. We don't like waiting. But you know what the Bible says in Isaiah? Watch this. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. Those who wait upon the Lord will run and not grow, will walk and not grow weary, will run and not grow faint. Church, as you seek God, you listen to God, and you obey God, you're able then to wait upon God. And when you wait upon God and don't lose it, don't act in your desperation, you're able to receive the promise that he gave you from the beginning. What are the promises of God? The Bible says that he has plans for you of good and not of evil. He has plans to heal you, to deliver you, to restore you. He has plans to take care of you. He is the I am. For whatever need, whatever problem, whatever circumstance, he is there. And we wait upon him. And when you're waiting upon him, you're able to spot the pothole, swerve, and drive around it. You see it, you swerve and get around it. Are you perfect? No, man, I still mess up. I get desperate sometimes and act a fool. But I recognize it, and I run back to the mercy of my God and say, forgive me. forgive, but you confirm again the promise to be with me, take care of me, provide for me, watch over me, and get me to the place that you designed from the very beginning. Church, let us spot the pothole of desperation and avoid it so we can receive the blessing from God. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. I want everybody this morning, right where you are, just to close your eyes and bow your heads. I want you to have an intimate moment with God, just you and God, nobody else, online campus as well, just right there where you are in your living room. Just close your eyes for a minute. And I actually want you to ask yourself this question. 
Do they honestly and truly have a relationship with God? See, the Bible says that we're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. We become God's children when we are adopted by him by accepting Jesus as our savior and turning from our sin. It's what Jesus said, repent and turn to God. John the Baptist, repent, turn to God. Peter, repent, turn for God. Paul, repent, turn to God. It's what he said. So what am I telling you this morning? I've got great news for you. Even if you've messed up, even if you've walked away from God, even if you've never surrendered to him, today his goodness is running after you. And all you need to say is, God, I repent and turn to you. So if today you've never asked Jesus to be your savior or today you want to get right with God for the first time, you, you want to surrender to him right there where you are, every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want you to pray this with me. Say, God, I'm a sinner on my own. I cannot get to you today. I recognize my need of a savior that Jesus is your son, came to earth, lived the perfect life and died on the cross to pay the price from my sin. And today, I acknowledge that. And I repent for what I've done wrong. And I turn to you, God, because I need you. Jesus, come and live in my heart. Write my name in the book of life. And from now on, God, I'm yours. And you are mine in Jesus' name. Come on, sing that this morning.